where are you headed? Jesus is inviting you on the journey of a lifetime. To know God, feed your soul, grow in love, and change your world. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to feed your soul through community. Well, welcome back to uh, the journey of a lifetime. I pray and hope that these four weeks, uh, you will discover that Jesus is inviting you on the journey of a lifetime to know God, feed your soul, grow in love, and change your world. This is uh, what we're going to be focusing on over the next four weeks. And if you remember from last week, those of you who braved the rain, um, we have little motions even for this journey. And so we learned them last week. Those of you who remember, do them with me now, would you, as we say this. Jesus is inviting you on the journey of a lifetime to know God, feed your soul, grow in love, and change your world. So those of you uh, who didn't do it, now you know what they are. Let's do it, everyone all together, or we're going to stop and start over, okay? Jesus is inviting you on the journey of a lifetime to know God, feed your soul, grow in love, and change your world. Today we're going to dig into what does it mean to feed our souls through community. Feed our souls through community, because did you know this? You're more than just a body, you're a soul. You're a soul. Just like your body gets hungry for food and needs nourishment in order to live, your soul is hungry too. Your soul needs nourishment to live. Now, if our bodies get hungry, we know what to do, right? We go to the pantry, the refrigerator, we go to the restaurant, we call Grubhub, right? But if our souls are hungry, what do we do then? Where do we go to feed our souls? Jesus is going to tell us this morning, He's going to show us what it means to feed our souls through community. And I invite you to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 4 down to 13. This is pages 901 and 902 in the Pew Bible there, if you want to grab that and join us, 901 to 902, John 15, verses 4 to 13. This is Jesus speaking. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the, into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the, the Father in my name, he, will, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Thanks be to the Lord for the reading of his word. There's deep insights for our souls this morning, right here in this passage, and I wanna show you three of them. We're gonna see the soul's design, the soul's health, and the soul's communion this morning. The soul's design, the soul's health, and the soul's communion. And all of this, Jesus will teach us what it means to feed our souls in community on this journey of a lifetime as we follow him. Let's bow our heads, let's pray together as we dig deep into God's word. Heavenly Father, Teach us to feed our souls. Part of growing up is we need to learn to feed ourselves so that we know what our soul needs and we know how to sustain it and we know what kind of diet and rhythms of life are necessary for our souls to thrive. Help us to learn this today, that we might live in vibrant life in you. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Amen. So first of all, the soul's design, the soul's design. In John 15, Jesus is teaching us about our souls. He uses an extended metaphor from the world of viticulture, viticulture, vines and branches, right? Like there were grapes, there were, there were wine, there was wine that was being made all over Jesus' world. Um, Everyone can see these grapes that are growing on the vine if you drive by on the road, and they, they're, the, the grapes are on the branches, right? Grapes are on the branches, but only if those branches are connected to the vine, right? If, if the branch is connected to the vine, it, the vine gives life to the branch, and then the branch bears the fruit. If you disconnect that branch from the vine, you get nothing. No fruit, no life. You just throw it in the pile and burn it because that's what it's good for. It makes a fire. But if the branch is connected to the life of the vine, if it's deeply at home in the vine, if that's its abode, if that's where it abides, then the fruit naturally comes on the branch, right? And of course, this is a metaphor. It's not about vines and branches. Jesus tells us in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And see, what Jesus is showing us, he's helping us understand our soul's design. That our souls were made for an abiding connection with the abundant, pulsating, vibrant life of God himself. Our souls were made for an abiding connection with the abundant, pulsating, vibrant life of God 
himself. Friends, we are inescapably spiritual beings. We're not just bodies, we're souls. And just as our bodies need food, our souls need God. Our bodies run on calories. Our souls run on connection. And the most important connection of our soul is our connection with God Himself. Colossians 1.16 says we were made by Him and for Him. Acts 17.28, Paul says, in Him we live and move and have our being. It's interesting, in Genesis chapter 1, a friend pointed this out to me this week. When God created fish, he, looked at the, he turned to the waters and he said, let the waters swarm with living creatures. When God created trees, he turned to the earth and he said, let the earth bring forth plants and trees. But when God made humanity, he turned to himself and he said, let us make man in our image. You take the fish out of the water, it dies. You take the tree out of the earth, it dies. You take human beings out of connection with God, we die. Friends, God, friends, God is our native environment. He is the source and substance of our life. We cannot live without God, period. Our souls were made for an abiding connection with the abundant, pulsating, vibrant life of God Himself. And when that connection is abiding, when it's strong and full, then we spiritually flourish and are fruitful in our lives. His life flowing in us and through us, bearing fruit. But when that connection is weak, when it is severed, our souls can't help it but shrivel and begin to die. Disconnection always leads to dysfunction. Disconnection always leads to dysfunction. It's like my vacuum cleaner at home. <laughs> it works wonders as long as it's plugged in, right? You ever tried to vacuum when the vacuum wasn't plugged in? It's useless. It only works when it's plugged into the power source it was designed for. And friends, our souls only work when they're plugged in to the power source they were designed for. The reality is, friends, we know deep down that our souls are starving. We know this. That's why we desperately are looking for life everywhere we go, in career, in romance, in money, in travel, in family, in the latest technology. And we get a little jolt of, of life when we find those things, don't we? Just poof, a little jolt, because there's a little bit of God in every one of His good gifts that He gives us. Every gift contains a piece of the giver, but it doesn't last because we were made for more. We were made for something constant and enduring. Our souls were made for an abiding, life-giving connection with God Himself. And it is the very life of God that Jesus comes to offer us in Himself, isn't it? When Jesus came from heaven to earth to live among us and die in our place and for our sake, 
to rise again so that we might have relationship with God, to restore that relationship, that we might have an abiding connection with God. Jesus says, look, I, I'm the vine. I'm the, I'm the conduit to the life of God. You, you're the branches. If you would abide in me and I in you, if the, if the life connection is forged between the two of us, then you'll have a fruitful life. But apart from me, nothing. Nothing. Friends, we were made for an abiding connection with God. It's our soul's design. Secondly, let's, let's talk about our soul's health, our soul's health. If our souls were designed for an abiding connection with God through Jesus Christ, what exactly does that look like? What does is, what is a healthy soul look like? How do we get ourselves into this healthy place? Well, let's, let's drill down on this language of abiding. In verse 4, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. The, the language of abiding is one of abode, home, dwelling. Come make your home in me. That's what Jesus is saying. Come make your home in me and allow me to make my home in you. It's, it's mutual indwelling, you see this, that we are to be at home in Christ, and Christ is to be at home in us. We in Him and He in us. But, and friends, when we entrust ourselves to Jesus, when we admit that we are sinners, when we believe that Jesus has done everything to make us right with God, when we commit ourselves to Him, we are clothed in His righteousness. We are hidden in Christ, to use Paul's language, who is our life, and we are now in Christ. Again, Paul uses this language everywhere. We are in Christ, and the Holy Spirit indwells us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? So we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. Our lives have been tethered and enfolded and welcomed into the very life of Jesus, so that by grace, through faith, we're enfolded into the life of Christ, that He is our new home. And then He indwells us by the power and presence of His Spirit, so that we are God's new home, Christ's new home. Abide in me, and I in you. So we, by faith, by, by grace, through faith, have been welcomed and enfolded into this mutual abiding soul connection the very moment we believe in Jesus. But like any relationship, it takes work. It takes attentiveness. It takes nurture and care. It's one thing to be married. It's another thing to be happily married. Amen? Yeah. It's one thing to abide. It's another thing to deeply, richly abide with Jesus. What, what does a deep, rich, vibrant abiding entail? What does it look like? Jesus actually shows us four aspects of this abiding life, and He does it through a very Hebraic way. He just circles around and around and around, each pass giving you new and deeper insight into the situation. So let's, let's follow Jesus here. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
So to abide in Jesus according to Jesus is to have his words abiding in us. Because Deuteronomy 8.3, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Colossians 3.16 admonishes us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Do you hear the language of abiding? John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Friends, our souls are starving for, for, for the truth of God. Our souls are starving for the truth of God. And there's a million voices out there in the world trying to take up residence in your life and tell you how you ought to live, but there's only one voice you were made for. Only one voice that will lead you into abundant life. It is the word of life himself, Jesus. Friends, if you want a deeper, richer, fuller, abiding life in Christ that will nourish your souls, fill your life with the word of God. Fill your life with the word of God. Read it, meditate on it, memorize it, pray it, speak it to yourself. Let his word settle down and make its home in your life. What else, Jesus? Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. What does it mean to abide in you, Jesus? Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Friends, it's one thing to hear the words, I love you. It's another thing to let them all the way in. It's another thing still to bask in that love, to allow ourselves to be swept up and carried away by the love of God. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. How has the Father loved the Son? He lavishes him with love. No ending, no end pours it out as the Father has loved me lavishly, so I have loved you lavishly. Come, settle down, make your home in my love. Move in, relax upon, sink into, and soak up my deep, unwavering, boundless, forever love for I am yours, and you are mine. Friends, our souls are starving for the love of God. Our souls are starving for the love of God. And there's all these people out there in the world who will tell you they love you, make all kinds of promises that they'll love you to the end of eternity. But there's only one love that will last, only one love that will satisfy your soul, and it's the the God who is love. Won't you soak in his love for you? Won't you trust in his promises? Won't you welcome his affections? Won't you treasure his sacrifice? Won't you delight in his presence? Won't you yield to his instruction? Settle down and make yourself at home in his love. What else, Jesus? Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
So Jesus, how do we abide in your love? How do we abide? Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Friends, by grace through faith, we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And as his word abides in us deeply, and we abide deeply in his love for us, we, we learn what it is that he desires, don't we? And we want to please him more and more because we feel his love. And the more we realize how much he wants us to change, the more we realize, I've got to, I've got to do something different. I can't keep living the way I've been living. If Jesus is going to be at home, at home in my life, there's going to be, need to be some extensive renovations, you know? I have a friend who was a bachelor for a number of years, and then he fell in love, and he proposed to who is now his wife, and he realized she's going to come move in. And he looked around, and when it was just him, it was fine. But now that the love of his life was moving into his house, he realized, I, I got to change this place up, you know? He realized everything had to change because the love of his life was going to live there. And it was worth it. It was massively disruptive, but it was worth it because with every change, he got more of her. Friends, our souls are starving for obedience to God. And the love of your life is moving in. And it means a lot of things are going to have to change. There's a lot of people in the world who would try to tell you how to have a good life. But there's only one really great life. And that's the one of following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And to love him is to obey him. And to obey him is to love him. What else, Jesus? Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. To abide in Jesus is to have his joy abiding in us. This is amazing. The smile of heaven on your life. The boundless joy of your Father. The endless delight of your Jesus over you, in you, saturating you, filling you, overflowing you. Friends, our souls are starving for the joy of God. There's all these people in life trying to tell you how to be happy, but it's only the joy of the Lord that will be the strength of your soul. Jesus says, look, come, abide in me, and I in you. Let my word dwell richly in you, and you dwell in my love, my unending love for you, and yield to my commands and obey me, and then my joy will well up in you and become your, your life. Friends, this is what your soul was made for. This is what it means to live and thrive at a soul level. Our souls thrive in the indwelling presence of Christ as his word and love and obedience and joy become our very own. Our souls thrive in the indwelling presence of Christ as his word, love, obedience, and joy become our very own. Friends, that's what a healthy soul looks like. We're tethered to Christ, 
feasting on his word, basking in his love, walking in his ways, delighting in his joy. That's healthy. That's a healthy soul. Now, finally, thirdly, the, the soul's communion. Let's talk about the soul's communion. It would, be, it would be a mistake to think we could just do this on our own. Just, you know, it's just, just you and me, Jesus, you know, you and me. All that matters is my soul and God, that connection, that's all that matters. In fact, everything in this passage is actually pushing against that kind of hyper-individual approach to managing our souls. For one thing, if you look at this passage, whenever Jesus addresses us, in this passage, it's plural, not singular. Plural, not singular. Abide in me and I in you. Y'all. Plural. My words abiding in you. Plural. Abide. You all. You all abide in my love. You all obey my commands that my joy may be in you. Plural. The abiding life, friends, is plural, not singular. It's plural. It's communal. And while we are each individually saved and personally connected to Christ, we need each other in this life of abiding. If you think about it, just go with the metaphor for a second. Branches, if there's heavy winds and a storm comes, what do the branches do as they collapse in on themselves? They enmesh and they shield one another in the storm. They lean on each other. Branches need to cross-pollinate with one another in order to be fruitful. Branches need to support one another as the fruit on the vine grows heavy. Those branches support each other under the weight of the fruitfulness. There's a communal aspect, even in the metaphor itself. But then Jesus shows us where all of this is going, this abiding life in terms of fruitfulness in the very last paragraph here. Two highlights, verse 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. All of this, so that, what is the purpose of all of it, Jesus? That you might love one another. So what is the command that, 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 that we are to obey that shows us that we're abiding deeply in the love of Jesus? Love one another. What is the fruit that proves out that we are disciples of Jesus? Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus, how have you loved us? Serving, sacrificing, self-giving, as I have loved you. Now you love one another. That's the fruit, that's the obedience, that's the life. That's what the soul, the healthy soul, goes out and does. Friends, we cannot do this in isolation. We can't do it in isolation. We need one another. To obey these commands, we need one another. We need community. Now, what's amazing about this whole passage is that there, there's, just zoom out with me for a second. There, there's this deep, 
union in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are three in person, one in essence, one God forever. Triune. There is a deep union that is shared between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as they mutually indwell one another from all of eternity in self-giving, joyous love. And then you and I, we are made in His image and likeness, which means we are made with the capacity to enter into this kind of deep soul, mutual, indwelling, and self-giving love. And then in Christ, through His saving work, we are welcomed into fellowship with this deep communion of mutual indwelling love. As the Father has loved me, now I love you. Abide in my love. We're being enfolded into this relationship with the triune God. This is beautiful. And then, then the Holy Spirit comes down into our hearts, and He comes down into your heart, and your heart, and your heart, and the Holy Spirit is the deepest connection we could ever have, so that now I am enfolded into a mutually indwelling connection with Christ, who is also in you, which means we are now connected. This is phenomenal. So to have the Father's love through Jesus Christ come into our lives, abiding in us, tethering us to the life of God, also tethers me to you. And our souls are now connected. Our souls are enfolded into loving communion with our triune God and His forever family, which is now our family. Our souls are enfolded into loving communion with our triune God and with His forever family, and now our family. You know, when we celebrate communion, we quote from the Apostles' Creed, a modified version of that, right? There's a line in there I don't know if you've ever thought about. It says, I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the communion of saints. What does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit in our lives binds us together as one in mutual love and self-sacrificial giving. We, we are united in Christ, one body, one family, one bride forever. We are one, which means, friends, that following Jesus is not a solo sport. It's a team effort. To have a soul connection with God is to have a soul connection with God's family. You can't pull those things apart. Love God, love people. It's one thing. To abide in the love of God is also to live in love with those that God loves. And that means you and you and you and you, all of us. I cannot do this on my own. If I'm to grow into this abiding love with Christ, I need you, and you need me. Just listen to these commands. I'm just, just let it wash over you. There are like 59 or 70, it depends on how you count it, one another commands in Scripture. Just let these, I'm not even giving you all of them, just let some of these wash over you. 
Be at peace with one another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another as God in Christ Jesus has accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another. Wait for one another. Have equal concern for one another. Serve one another. Carry the burdens of one another. Be patient with one another. Bear with one another. Be kind to one another. Show compassion to one another. Forgive one another. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Consider one another better than yourselves. Bear with one another. Forgive any grievances you may have against one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Use whatever gift you've received to serve one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And again, love one another. Bottom line, feed your soul through community. Feed your soul through community. Friends, we need each other deeply at a soul level. There are truths about God that I will never see unless you show them to me. There are dimensions to the love of God that I will never realize unless you open your heart to me. There are aspects of obedience to Jesus that I, I will never learn to live out unless I see them modeled in you. There are divine joys that I will miss out on forever if you do not show me the joyous walk that you have with Christ. Will it be perfect, this community life? No. <laughs> will we have friction? Definitely. Will it cost us? Probably. But how else are we going to learn the art of self-sacrificial love? Unless we intentionally enter into relationships that are going to require something of us. How else are we going to become like Jesus? See, friends, if the main thing we needed was information, you could go YouTube this and just download and do it on your own, right? But if transformation is what Jesus is after, you can only do that in family. That's how you became who you are. You grew up in a family. You had friends around you. They shaped you. They formed you. Everything that's gone wrong in your life probably came from associations with people, people that sent you down the wrong path. So you're formed by your community. You're deformed by your community. Why would you not be transformed by community as well? See, 
One of the things that God is doing in the family of God is he's reparenting us. He's re, listen, some of us had lousy families and we never learned how to live on our own in that setting. And Jesus is bringing you into the family of God so that you can relearn how to live. It's reparenting, it's refamily, it's, it's re-community, you see? Community is where we gather to feast our souls on the life of God. And the best meals, friends, are always shared. So we gather around the table together. And I need that. Just, just this week, I was talking to a lady who lost her son, very young. And I just asked her, how was that? And where did Jesus meet you in that? And I learned so much just hearing her talk about how close Jesus was through some of the hardest moments of her life. I need that. I need those connections. You help me see Jesus. And I pray that I do the same for you. We need each other. That's why every Sunday we have all these communities at 8.30 and 11.30, places to gather, to look at God's word, but more importantly, to share life, to compare notes, and to learn together how to walk in love as Christ has loved us. It's a laboratory in which we learn to love. It's the transformational setting that feeds our souls. It's community. So Jesus is inviting you, friends, on the journey of a lifetime. It starts by knowing God through worship, and it continues by feeding your soul through community. Won't you follow him? Won't you follow him? Let's pray. Father, teach us to attend to our souls. We can't make it through the day without multiple square meals. <laughs> but somehow we forget to feed our souls. Help us to run to you. Help us to drink deeply of your love and your truth. Help us to yield our lives to you, to follow you, to live in your joy. And help us to live with one another, to experience your love through one another, to extend your love back to one another. Help us to follow you in all this wonderful adventure of life. Thank you for all of this that's available through Jesus Christ, nowhere else. It's in his name we pray.